The homilies or sermons contained in these podcasts were delivered by Deacon Joe Dietz, a permanent deacon serving at St. Edward Catholic Church in Ashland, Ohio, a parish of the Diocese of Cleveland. Each homily is preceded by a reading of the Gospel of the Day. All these homilies are the same in content as those preached. They have been recreated to improve the sound quality of the podcast. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Filled with the Holy Spirit, Jesus returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the desert for 40 days to be tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and when they were over, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live on bread alone. Then he took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a single instant. The devil said to him, I shall give to you all this power and glory, for it has been handed over to me, and I may give it to whomever I wish. All this will be yours, if you worship me. Jesus said to him in reply, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him alone shall you serve. Then he led him to Jerusalem, made him stand on the parapet of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and with their hands they will support you, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him in reply, It also says, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every temptation, he departed from him for a time. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, what are we going to do with this gospel? One of the only two major characters in it is the devil himself. I mean, in other scripture references to the devil, there is usually more to the story. The devil is less center stage. And so the many people that aren't comfortable with speaking of the devil or deny his existence altogether can look past the devil and focus on the other parts of the story. But that is kind of hard to do today because the devil and his temptations are the focus of the story. It is especially hard to deny the devil in light of this gospel because Jesus who was from all indications alone with the devil when this encounter took place, would have to have had to report it to the apostles himself, which means that he considered it significant and wanted it to become a part of Scripture. Part of the problem for many of us in accepting that the devil is real and can play a role in our lives is that if the devil is real, Then that place spoken of in Matthew chapter 25, verse 41, of, quote, eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels, end quote. You know, that place we call hell also exists. And as much as people today want to deny the existence of the devil, they want to deny the existence of hell even more. Because hell is associated with, with the consequences of sin and judgment. And after all, who is anyone to judge? You know, it is pretty much a given, undisputed finding today, after many years of research and many studies, that smoking is not good for your health. It contributes to lung and other types of cancers and heart disease, 
and is bad for the health and life expectancy of those who smoke. People, of course, still have the freedom to choose to smoke if they want to, although they are somewhat restricted in public areas. But compared to the days when I grew up, the late 50s and 60s, the number of people who smoke has been greatly reduced, and those who still choose to exercise their free will to smoke are surrounded by warnings to try to get them to quit. The cigarette packs have warnings. The advertisements have warnings. There are TV commercials and internet ads and a host of other messaging techniques that tell people why they shouldn't smoke, how it's going to make them sick and shorten their lives. And I think it's safe to say that if you smoke, you probably hear it from family and friends who don't smoke, as well as from your doctors, that you should quit. And while the smokers themselves may consider this a giant pain, society in general considers it acceptable to convey this message because it is for the good of the person who smokes. For the most part, there is not widespread condemnation of the anti-smoking campaigns, or much criticism, if any, for the family and friends who try to get a loved one to quit. In another illustration of the point I'm hoping to make, I was aware of a criminal trial this week in which a young man was being tried for his part in a drug deal robbery that went bad and ended up with two people shot dead and two others wounded. Four people were charged with felony murder and now face life in prison. The participants in this tragic event made free will choices to be involved in the methamphetamine business, to arm themselves with guns, to associate with other armed men breaking the law. But even though they were exercising their independence to act as they did, it is unlikely that anyone would condemn their family and friends who prior to this event would have tried to talk them out of such a life. The people who loved and cared about them, who saw they were running with a bad crowd, who were concerned about their association with a gang, or drugs, and guns. Whatever efforts they made to point out the dangers, to, dis to dissuade those young men from bad choices, although they failed, would have been applauded by society as an effort to save them, not an effort to infringe on their freedom or judge them. In six weeks, this church and Catholic churches around the country will be filled to overflowing with people attending Mass on Easter Sunday. A number of these people will not have been to church since the previous Easter, or maybe Christmas. When I was growing up, we had a name for these folks. We called them Easter Catholics. These are the people who were most likely regular church attendees at some point in their lives, but for whatever reason can't seem to get to church more than once or twice a year these days. Now, it has long been a teaching and practice of the church that you must attend Mass on Sunday, every Sunday, and that to miss Mass on Sunday by choice or without a very good reason is a serious, that is, mortal sin. Can you imagine if while we gathered with these folks on our biggest holy day of the year, that during the homily, we told them in the most loving and caring way possible that while we were very glad to see them and happy that they were here with us, that in our great love and concern for them, 
we had to tell them that their lack of regular attendance at Mass was a serious sin. And if they continued in this serious sin and died without repenting of it, they were at great risk of going to hell. Oh my goodness, how would that be received? Not only by them, but by those with them. People would walk out. People would write everyone from the Pope on down. How could you be so insensitive? How could you be so unwelcoming, so judgmental? Right now, Father Rod is probably making a mental note, never let Deacon Joe preach on Easter or Christmas. For sure, the criticism would be long and loud. For stating in church that which is a basic fundamental belief of the church. It would not matter that we didn't tell these people they were going to hell, or that we did not say any particular deceased non-church attendee was in hell. Who are we to tell free, independent people that they have to go to church? What are you, some kind of hater? It would be something. Even though, just as in the example of smoking and bad company I mentioned earlier, Rather than an act of hate, it would be an act of love for people who we are called to love and pray and die for. That we love and care for them enough to share with them a hard truth about the way they are living their lives. That we love and care for them enough to risk their disapproval and the disapproval of others in an effort to save them. This is the way it is for anyone we care about that is living a life in any serious sin. Serious sin that is a threat to their eternal life. While we consider it perfectly acceptable to speak to smokers about smoking or family members about hanging with the wrong crowd in an effort to save their earthly life, many would consider it almost criminal to speak directly to people about serious sin in their lives in an effort to save their eternal life. While as believers we may continually seek to deepen our relationship with God, we are surrounded by that constant message of the world, that independence, free will, and respecting the independence and free will of others allows people to do whatever they want without consequences and that we are required by consensus of opinion to leave them alone to do it. We value independence so much, our freedom to do what we want to do without interference, without guidance, that it is often the underlying aspect to seeking wealth, not just financial security, but independence to go and do as we please without monetary restriction to do what we please without consequences. And anyone who goes against that independence is just plain wrong. This is what the devil dangles before Jesus. Make stones into bread. Show your independence. Turn away from God and worship me. Be rich and powerful and gain your independence. Now you can relax. I don't believe that you are going to hear that message preached anywhere come Easter Sunday. 
And my point is not that we should be judging the sin in our friends' and relatives' lives and then confronting them about it. But if the devil is real, and hell is real, and I assure you they are, then people are at risk for going there. But since in most cases, direct confrontation with them about their sin will not yield the fruit we seek, what are we to do? May I suggest there is no better time to channel our Lenten practices of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving in support of our intercession for the conversion of those in our lives who are at risk. These practices also just happen to fly right in the face of the devil's temptations, not only for Jesus, but for us. By giving of our resources to those in need, we are turning away from the temptation of wealth and power. By fasting, we are turning away from and exercising control over our temptations of the flesh. And by drawing closer to God in prayer through daily Mass attendance, adoration, and increased personal prayer time, we are putting our trust in God rather than testing Him. As the psalm says, dwelling in the shelter of the Most High, acknowledging His name, and clinging to Him, our refuge and fortress in whom we trust. Now, to sum up and keep the phone calls and letters to a minimum, I did not say Easter Catholics are going to hell. I did not say any one particular person was in hell. I did say Lent is a good time to pray, fast, and give for the conversion of those in serious sin. I did say that prayer, fasting, and almsgiving is a great counter to the temptations of the devil. Amen? Amen. Send questions or comments regarding this podcast to Deacon Joe 2017 at gmail.com.